You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. This is Jenny Allen, and you are listening to the Made for This podcast. This is Chloe, and I just wanted to have a little team huddle. Pull in close, put your AirPods in. We are so glad you're listening to the podcast. And even though we're in between seasons doing some really great bonus episodes, we wanted to still equip you right now with some really practical, helpful content to encourage you in this season where I know all of us are facing so many tensions in decisions that we have to make with our kids or our jobs or our health, our families. And so we wanted to bring you some of the very best parts of If Lead 2020 that happened this past weekend. The good news is If Lead is available all year with the digital access pass. You can get the digital access pass for only 30 bucks. It's crazy, guys. You get to hear sessions from people like Beth Moore, John Mark Comer, Tammy and Kirk Franklin, Chris Kane, Joe Saxton, Ruth Simons. It goes on. Guys, there are so many amazing sessions that I was taking tons and tons of notes you want to get this access pass. Grab a few friends, sit on your front porch, get some coffee, and do this. Take a day to recharge, to regroup, and just pray and be together. So go to iflead2020.com and get your digital access pass today. So today you get to hear Jenny's full breakout from If Lead 2020 called Theology for Kids. Here we go. Hey, welcome, guys. We're so glad you're here. I don't know if you know anything about my family, but we have a 20-year-old kid. Now, when Theology was dreamt up 15 years ago, he was a little bitty and asking all the big questions. Now he is in college and following Jesus, and he is such an amazing young man. I'm so proud of who he is becoming. And yet that process, that 5 to 20, was full of a million small moments that made him who he was. Now, that can make us feel a lot of pressure, that these short years are going to shape the next generation. But that also can give us a lot of vision, and it can cause us to want to be a part of doing this in an intentional way. And that's what we dream of, is equipping you with tools that help you live this out in an intentional way. So Barna did some studies of discipling the next generation and how it was going, and they polled a lot of pastors, and they asked them, you know, what does it mean to disciple the next generation? And 99% of them said that the primary discipler of the kids is the parents. Now, 99% of pastors, I know all of you are looking at them and thinking, no, we're counting on you, the church, to, to disciple our kids. Well, they're counting on you to disciple your kids. And, and I think we all know that, that we're gonna be the ones that model who God is, that, that talk more with our kids about who God is than anybody else. And this matters so much because who we shape God to be in their minds from a very young age is going to be a hard thing to shake later, right? Who we shape God to be in the first, early, most formative years, it's going to be difficult to change that view of God as they go into adulthood. And so these years matter so much. Now, in a little bit, we're going to talk about three barriers to giving our kids God. 
And we're also gonna talk about three ways we can do this that are simple, that are just as we are going. So we're gonna help you win. That's, that's the goal of this short time we have together. But before we get there, I just wanna say that, that there is a God working with us. We are not sitting here in isolation, having to use our might and our power and our strength to figure out how to help our kids love God. That's God's job. That's the Holy Spirit's work in their lives. And taking that pressure off from the very beginning and just encouraging you that, that we're gonna do our best to be intentional, to share with our kids what God means to us. We're gonna do our best to learn beside our kids as they are going. But, but ultimately, God is going to give your kids, God, like he is expert at that. He has drawn any of us that know Jesus to himself. That is how he works. He takes us from blindness to sight. He takes us from death to life. He changes us and we can't force that on our kids. In fact, the more we try to do that, the more that's gonna backfire. So let's all just take a deep exhale. So I wanna tell you what my professor said to me in seminary that was the catalyst for the dream of theology. He said, by the age of five, the best thing you can give your kids is a huge view of God. Well, I had young kids when I was sitting in that seminary class, and I remember just sitting back and, and exhaling and going, okay, that sounds great, and I want to do that, but I don't know how. And that was in a seminary class, okay? I'm sitting there with, you know, conversations about God filling most of my days and my life and being equipped to have those conversations with other people. But I would go home to my kids and I would get harder questions from them than I have from any adult in all my years of ministry. They had huge questions about God. My son specifically, my oldest son, he was the most curious kid. He liked God. He loved God. He talked to God. I remember one time we were driving in the dark and we had gotten lost and we were kind of out in the country where there weren't any streetlights and, and I couldn't figure it out. And this is before iPhones and I didn't have a map with me. And so, you know, I'm just sitting there kind of exasperated about, I don't exactly know what to do in this situation. And he said, mom, we need to pray. He was three years old. He said, mom, we need to pray right now. And he started praying the most charismatic prayer I've ever heard. He was like, Jesus show us the way. <laughs> I mean, it was so passionate and so sincere. And he knew and believed as a three-year-old little boy buckled into a car seat in the back seat that God could deliver us from whatever it was that was causing us to be stuck and lost and all that. He believed that God could show us without a map, without anything. He had a faith that believed that God could lead us out of that situation. And guys, that is the faith of children. In fact, scripture calls us back to that faith. As we get older and more pragmatic and we get more problems in our life and we get more knowledge in our life, God calls us back to the faith of a child. Jesus said this in Matthew 18, two through four, Jesus is talking about this idea. He says, he called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, what did Jesus mean by this? What was he saying to all of these very brilliant people that were standing around? He pulls a little child on his lap and he says, hey, this is how you've got to be to enter the kingdom of God. What does he mean by that? And let me tell you, watching my little three-year-old pray that night, that verse made different sense to me, that he really believed that God could change things for us. He believed that God heard his prayers. He believed that there was a God powerful enough to lead us out of the darkness of wherever it is we were. 
And I think all of us ultimately have lost that when we get more and more pragmatic and we get more and more responsibility in life and we lose that just sweet us and Jesus and believing that he sees us, loves us, knows us, he's our friend, that he wants to walk with us. We lose that. And then what? How do we grow up kids, a whole generation, that's my dream, a whole generation that thinks this way, that thinks Jesus is real. I can talk to him. I can hear from him. I can walk with him. I can follow him all the days of my life and he's going to take care of me. How do we build a dangerous generation that believed God like that? You look at the Bible throughout it and the world changers, the stories that were told, the stories we still talk about that we study, those stories were people like that. They just grew up and they kept that faith. And that's what I dream of. I don't dream of giving your kids more knowledge. You know, this, this idea of theology, it's not a, a vision to get more knowledge, but it begins with knowledge. They have to know who he is. They have to know what he's doing on earth. They have to know where this is all headed to know their part in it. And guys, the same is true for us, that if we know God like that, some of you are going to be a part of theology and you're going to hear the story of God in this way for the first time. And I'm not saying you haven't been in your Bibles. I was in my Bible. I was in seminary. I was walking through Bible study after Bible study, but I never lifted up and understood the whole point and the whole purpose. And once I did that, once someone told me, hey, here's, here's what God's doing on earth. This is the point. This is the plan. This is where it's headed. And, and not just heaven, but like what, what's supposed to be happening between creation and heaven? What, what are our lives supposed to be a part of? When you understand that whole story, what happens is you get contagious. You want to be a part of no other story. You don't want to miss one day of this. And some of you are going to hear that story. I believe this is going to disciple as many parents as it is kids because we have to know the story of God. We have to have some knowledge to have faith like that child. We have to know who it is we're dealing with, right? And so my hope and prayer is that you would feel a partnership a partnership of us coming alongside of you and putting great tools in your hands, a partnership of the Holy Spirit partnering with you to help not just raise your kids, but to learn together. And I believe that we're gonna see a generation rise up. I, I don't have small prayers for you. I have enormous prayers for you. I pray that God would raise up an entire generation that knows him, that walks with him, that believes bigger things are possible than we ever believed, and that those bigger things would happen. God would move through them in powerful ways to build his church, to save souls, to heal this land. His eyes move to and fro, and he is looking for hearts that are fully devoted to him. And I think perhaps some of the most devoted hearts on earth are the little ones in our homes that we're raising, the little hearts that say big prayers in the backseat, the little hearts that really take God at his word, that are teaching us as we teach them. So here's what I want to do with you today. I want to talk about these three barriers to giving our kids God. What's stopping us? If that's the most important thing we can give our kids, right? And I really believe it is. Now that my kids are grown, several of them, let me just tell you what really matters. At the end, when you're graduating them and sending them out into the world, let me tell you what you care about. You want them to like God. You want them to know that God likes them. You want them to like you. <laughs> and you want them to know that you like them. That's really like I boiled down the goals of parenting. And the reason I want to start there is because if we don't start with the end in mind, if we don't start when they're two or three thinking, what do I want to send into the world? Then we're going to get our goals wrong all along the way. We're going to be confused because we're going to start to think, you know what, we, what we really want 
is for them to be successful and to make a lot of money. And that's gonna be a different style of parenting than what I just mentioned. Or what we really want is for them to be very moral. We want them to do all the right things. Well, that's gonna build an environment where they, there's no grace and there's no ability to know how much God likes them because they live in fear that, that you've, you're disappointed by them and God's disappointed by them. So you see, if we choose a different end, we have to know what our end is because that's going to be how we end up parenting. So let's talk about this. What are three barriers to giving our kids God? If that's the most important thing, that they like God and that they know he likes them. That's, that's really truly, and yes, bonus is they like us and we like them. And I think that shapes their identity and also their view of God. But today I wanna to talk about that first one of that, that they like God and they know that God likes them. They have to know some things. So let's begin with what it is that keeps us. The first thing I believe that keeps us from giving our kids a great, awesome view of God and who he is in the scriptures is that we feel shame, that we feel like hypocrites, that we feel like when we talk about God, we're not living the way that we should to be talking about God in that way. And I wanna address that first because I think it's the deepest one. And I think as parents, the best thing we can do is be healthy ourselves. That's gonna build healthier kids. And so I would encourage you, this is not long enough to deal with that issue right there of shame. But what I will say is that Romans 8.1 says that there is Therefore, now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you are living under shame, then you are not living in and under the gospel. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ, the number one thing it promises is that it eliminates shame. That there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Now it's gonna go out throughout Romans 8 and give you a fuller version of what that looks like, how to live in the spirit, how to set our minds on the spirit. It's a great passage of what you know it looks like to follow Jesus, but it begins with that one absolutely essential truth. So I told you we're gonna talk about three barriers and we're also gonna talk about three wins. And I've linked these barriers and wins together. So I wanna talk about the win because the win is actually counter to that barrier. The win in parenting, you wanna give your kids God, you tell them about that shame. Instead of hiding it, instead of hiding what you're afraid of, instead of hiding the, the mistakes you've made and the ways that you feel like you're a failure and the ways that you feel like you're a fraud, guess what? I'm going to challenge you that one of the best ways you can give your kid God is to tell them your mistakes. To be the best apologizer and the best confessor that they've ever known. We all think that parenting needs to be this great exercise in perfection when perfection actually teaches them nothing about our God. Perfection steals the need for a God. And so you pretending that you're perfect, you pretending that you have it all together, you're completely missing the whole point that you need God just like they need God. And what we do when we show them our shame, it's so ironic, we, we show them the thing that we're hiding, they see that we're imperfect. And we think that's gonna let them down, but let me tell you what it feels like. They would tell you this if my kids were here. It's the biggest relief. It's the biggest relief. I mean, all the time, I remember my son Connor, when he was a little bit older, I remember laying in his bunk talking to him about, I lost my mind on him. It usually, most of my rage when my kids were young had something to do with laundry. Things like, I would, I would do the four steps of laundry. I would get all their clothes to their room, folded and clean, and I would go to their laundry basket, and instead of putting it away, y'all, they dumped it back in the laundry basket. <laughs> with their dirty clothes that were wet and yuck, and I had to go through it all again. And so that would cause a little bit of anger and rage. And so I remember laying in bed, something had happened and I had to apologize and I don't remember what at that moment, but I remember laying there and apologizing to him and saying, hey, buddy, I'm so sorry that I was angry with you, that I lost my temper. 
and that I yelled. And he had so many questions about that. He was so moved by that. He was like, mom, you know what? It's okay. This happens to me too. You know, I mean, it's just all of a sudden he turned counselor on us. And so I'm sitting there going, you know what? You're right, this does happen. And he was like, why do we do that? And I was like, you know, Romans 7 says that Paul had the same question. And he said, and I pulled out my Bible. And by the way, I did not have it memorized. I had to go get my Bible. And I pull it out and I'm like, he, he says this verse about this. And I read it and it says that why do I do the thing I don't want to do? Why do I keep doing the thing I don't want to do? And Paul's asking himself that question. And he was like, yes, that's exactly how I feel, mom. I really feel that way. Why do I keep doing the thing I don't want to do? And I was like, I know, I, I, why do I do that? And I, let me tell you, in my mind, where this was going, I did not know, <laughs> okay? It sounds way better in a story later from a Bible teacher who's gone to seminary, but at that moment, I did not know where that was going. I just knew that there was a verse somewhere in the Bible that talked about Paul feeling that way. And so I go and I dig it up. And the next thing that we talk about is Romans 8 and, and that there's a road to life and peace and there's a road to sin and death and that every day we get to choose that. Even as believers, we get to choose. Are we gonna go on the road to sin and death? Are we gonna go on the road to life and peace? And you guys, my son is sitting there beside me exegeting the scripture, right? Together, we're doing that. I hadn't exegeted that passage at that point. I'd never studied it in depth and looked at commentaries at that point in my life. I have since, but at that moment, it was just me and him and God, like working through a passage together and all because I had messed up. And if I could go back and give myself and my husband one piece of advice when our kids were young, it would be your mess ups are actually the best parts if you let them be. But I felt so much pressure to get everything right. Hear me say this, you will get things wrong. And the greatest gift you can give your kids, my favorite moments of parenting, looking back at my kid's life, were our mistakes. And there still are, you guys. I remember a few weeks ago, my husband and I have done a lot of marriage counseling. And so we don't fight as much as we used to. But, you know, so now when it, there's a fight, it's like the whole family knows. But we're very expressive, passionate people in our house. And so we got in a fight and the whole family heard it and was a part of it. And Cooper, <laughs> my youngest, was worried about it. He was like, I mean, are they gonna be okay? You know, he's asking the older siblings and Connor's like, yeah, they used to fight all the time. Like, they're fine, they always work it out. And I remember thinking to myself, I love that my kids know we fight. And I would have thought when they were younger, we should hide this. But the fact that Connor knows that a healthy marriage results in lots of fights, but that they always work it out and that he's now counseling his little brother about that. Guys, that's what we give our kids is a picture of how to actually have a healthy marriage rather than a pretend marriage that, that has no conflict. That's not what kids need. They need to see you fight. They need to know how to work that out. They need to see that it can result in peace and that we can all work it out. And, and y'all, we tell our kids all about it. After the fight was over, we knew they'd heard about it. We set them down. We're like, hey, we're fine now. This is what it was about. This is how we resolved it. We bring them into it, not just because they heard us fight, but because we want them to know how to fight. If God ever brings conflict into their life, which we know he will. So shame, we fight it with Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The second barrier is maybe you didn't grow up in the church. Maybe even if you grew up in the church, you still don't feel confident to give your kids God because you don't know the answers. You don't know the Bible. You don't have that verse circling in your head like I did about Paul and where to begin. And guys, that is okay. I want to give you permission. So that's the barrier. And the win here is I don't wanna just give you permission. I wanna tell you there's a better way. And that better way is to learn about God with your kids, to do it beside them. In fact, I promise you, 
It will be sweeter, better conversations for you to study God together and discover God together as you are going than if you had some seminary degree that you were just spouting out information to them. So it begins with both of us seeing our need for God and then learning about God together. When we were dreaming about theology, we really wanted to take what we believe is a broken thing in the church right now, a broken thing in our world, that, that we wanna give our kids God, so we think, well, we've got to learn a lot about him from God, and then we need to give it to our kid. So it's God, the parent, the kid. And our hope is to change it to a circle, that we're having conversations and we're all experiencing and learning from God together, that it's not something hierarchy where we get the knowledge and then we give and impart that to our kids, but it's all of us sitting down together, kind of like I did in that bunk bed, saying, okay, God, help us. Like, help us understand what this means. Help us understand how to know you better. And we open the Bible together and we discover, we use our concordances. And, and our hope at Theology is to put lots of tools in your hands where, where you can have those conversations together, where you can sit there and, and say, I didn't know that about God. And, and you're not ashamed about that. It's like, cool, I, I didn't know that. I mean, my sister is reading the first book out of Theology and she looks at me afterwards, she has tears in her eyes and she says, is this why God created the earth? And I was like, yeah. She goes, I, I miss that somewhere. She'd grown up in church. She's in her Bible. She's walked with Jesus a long time. But the big point, the main point of creation and what we're all doing here, she missed that somewhere. And, and maybe you have too, and that's okay. Maybe you have had no church experience, no Bible knowledge. That's okay. There are incredible tools that we want to help resource you with so that you can do this yourself. But what I want you to know is that it's never gonna be you giving your kid God. It's gonna be God giving himself to all of us, right? And that's how our family is. We are such a team. No matter what age our kids have been, it's just kind of been this discovery together. Let's learn, let's make mistakes together, let's you know, repent together, let's admit our weaknesses together, let's just, let's be a mess, you know? My, my daughter, who's somewhat of a perfectionist, my second daughter, she always says, people will ask like, what did your parents do right? And she was like, they just let us mess up. And I think, you know, I go back, I'm like, did I ever say you can mess up in our house? I don't think I ever said that. I just think they saw us mess up so much that they knew, okay, we can mess up. And they saw us ask God big questions. They saw us wrestle. I remember recently we were trying to make a huge decision as a family. And we wanted to make that decision and bring that decision to them. But the timing was not working out. And ultimately we had to bring them into it and sit them all down and be like, guys, we might be making this huge change in our life. We don't know for sure, but we're going to bring you into it and ask you how, how you feel about it. And together we prayed, together we sought scripture, together we discussed our fears about it and what would it look like to make a big change in our lives at that point. And it's interesting, my kids would say because of those moments, we have the closest family. And when you ask my older son, why is your family so close? He points to the moments that we came in weakness to him. And we said, we don't know the answer to this, but we're gonna wrestle with this together, we're gonna pray together, we're gonna open the word together. You don't need to know everything, you just need to trust God and they need to see you do it. And as you do that, they're gonna want that God. They're gonna want the God that they saw their parents' weakness and he showed up for them. They're gonna want that God. But if we never show our weakness and our lack of knowledge and our insecurities and our fears, if we never show our kids that, then we're gonna miss seeing God in that powerful way. It is in our weakness that he is strong. That's what scripture says. In our weakness, he is strong. And that is so that no man can boast. That is the power of God on us and through us. And our kids would say, my parents are very imperfect, but they have an awesome God. Like <laughs> they, they really like God and he has showed up for them.
And I would rather that narrative than my parents are so amazing. You know, I just, like, then I do feel like a hypocrite. I mean, my parents don't, my kids don't think that. They're like, my mom's a mess, you know? They'll tell you, ask them. The third barrier I see is we are all so busy. Life is so full. Now, we've experienced a little bit of a respite this year, right? A little bit more downtime, but we still, if you've got young kids and diapers and toddlers and even elementary school kids and you're homeschooling, I mean, there's a lot going on and it's really hard to make this a priority. We all set good expectations, right? Like we're gonna do Advent for, you know, every day before Christmas or we're gonna have a daily devotional in the morning and maybe you all do that, great. But sometimes those things fall away and just because we're busy and distracted. And so I wanna talk just a minute about that because that one it, to me is maybe the most dangerous because the antidote to that, the, the win to busyness is it takes a lot of intention and choice. It takes a lot of decision-making that we're going to prioritize this in our home. And our hope is that we're gonna make it so easy for you, that we're gonna put so many good tools in your hands that you don't have to think so hard, that it's quick and easy and you can do it in, in little moments rather than structured discipline time just because that's how we parented. So that might be helpful, but the problem is what's on the line. It still takes intention. It still takes sitting down with your kid and tucking them in when you're exhausted and you've got Netflix waiting. It takes choice and it takes motivation. And so I wanna spend just our last minutes together here on this fact, that why does this matter so much? We're talking a lot about where we find ourselves and launching into you know, this next season of the church. How are we going to be strategic in case this is the end times, in case this is the most important time in history, that we would be excellent at giving God away and excellent at walking with him in these very turbulent times? What if it's our kids' generation? What if they're the generation that Jesus comes back? What if they're the ones that are going to usher in the kingdom of God? What if they're the ones that have to persevere tribulation and persecution? We don't know the days that our kids' generation are going to face, but we need to assume that it's going to be worse than this. We need to assume that the enemy is only growing in his attack of us and, and trying to take down the church and trying to steal our faith and belief in God. Our job in equipping the next generation, and I know right now your next generation probably is like crying in the other room and you're distracted and you're like, I, I, I cannot get this big of a vision for the mess that my breakfast table is right now, right? But what if in their generation, they're gonna be the ones that are saving souls before Jesus comes back? I mean, we've got to get this right and that's how serious we've got to take this. I wanna read to you Proverbs 22.6. It says, train up a child in the way that he should go. And when he is old, he will not depart from it. Guys, that is our hope, is that we are training up the next generation. They're not gonna depart from it. And that's really hard to do for some of you that feel like I was never trained up. Nobody ever trained me up. How am I supposed to do this for my kids? And I know there's a million other things that you've gotta get in in these few short years that you have with them. But I don't believe there's anything more important than this, that we train up a child in the way that he should go, in the ways to follow Jesus, in the knowledge of friendship with Jesus and walking with Jesus and, and obeying Jesus and sacrificing for Jesus. And, and Isaiah talks about not going our own way. You know, each one, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each one have gone their own way. And I mean, I don't know if there's a better verse to describe to toddlerhood, right? I mean, everybody going their own way, but Jesus Christ, the way that this all changed the story, the powerful story of God, what it all led to 
was that Jesus Christ, even though we were going our own way, would interrupt that. He would interrupt that with the cross. He would say, I'm going to take care of the sin. All of you that have gone your own way, I'm going to take care of the sin. I'm going to set you on a road to life and peace. I'm going to put my spirit inside of you so that you are not orphaned, so that you know you're not alone. You have a helper and a counselor and a friend to walk with you, to live out the purposes that, that I have for you all the days of your life. That's what he's doing. That's what he wants to do in us. That's what he wants to do in our kids. It's that interruption that we don't have our own way, that, that we submit to a spirit, a God that loves us, that died for us, and that has plans and purposes for us, and that ultimately is bringing us home. That's the story of God that we're a part of. And it matters because whether we have a few short years because life is short, or we have a few short years because Jesus is coming back, we have to train up the next generation so they know God, so they like God, so that they know He likes them and they live out the purposes that he has for them. We know as parents that you are facing so many tensions when it comes to teaching your kids about God. There's so much pressure to get it right. And the search for finding resources and books can be really exhausting sometimes. I know that as a young parent. And it's right here at the intersection of your kids' most curious years and all of these tensions as parents that we have some really good news for you. God wants to use you. The Story of God is a five-book series that Jenny wrote that starts with creation and takes you and your kids on a journey all the way to when God makes all things new. And the books are written in first person to the child and to you, and they have scriptures to read along with it on every single page. So go to theology.com, that's T-H-E-O-L-A-B-Y.com, and order The Story of God today. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com aware. Terms apply. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.